Hello, and welcome to the On-Premise IT Roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on topic and on location, no matter where that location might be. My name is Tom Hollingsworth, and I'm a part of Gestalt IT, and I am here with a group of IT community members. We're going to discuss a premise today and uh, get some different points of view about it. But first, before we get started, I'd like to introduce today's guests. Drew? Hi, I'm Drew Connery-Murray. I write and podcast about technology at PacketPushers.net. You can find me on Twitter at Drew underscore CM. JJ? Hey, Jennifer Manella or JJ. I'm JJX on Twitter and occasionally I'm writing still at securityuncorked.com. Jennifer? Hi, my name is Jennifer and you can find me on Twitter at Jennifer Lucille and you can find me blogging about things, Wi-Fi and random things at JenniferLucille.com. And Nick. Nick Shoemaker, you can find me on Twitter at nshu18, and I occasionally write very randomly on wirelessnick.com. All right. Thank you all very much for joining us today. Let's jump into this episode's premise. We recently heard from Aruba at Aruba Atmosphere Digital about how their new platforms are changing the way that people do wireless. And one of the big components of what they're doing involves artificial intelligence. Now wait, before you shut off the podcast, this isn't a marketing term today. We're actually gonna talk about AI and how it relates to technology. But one of the things that has gotten me curious as of late is, with all of the intelligence that we have from people who've been doing Wi-Fi for so long, do we really need to, I don't know, make it artificial? So my premise is that AI really doesn't do much for Wi-Fi when you get right down to it. Now I'm gonna start with Mr. Shoemaker because even when I introduced this topic to the group, he jumped up, hand in the air. He's like, I disagree with you and I wanna talk about this. So Nick, do you think AI can do a lot for Wi-Fi? Well, I won't say I disagree with you wholly on this subject, most others, but I mean, in a way for a long time we've had, and people will yell at me for this, but we've had a version of machine learning and AI and wireless for a very long time with controllers. They're controlling the channels, they're controlling power levels, they're constantly listening to the environment. They're making adjustments on the fly and trying to make the, make the system better. If I have an outage in one area, I can bring up power levels on APs and you know from surrounding areas, and nobody even knows it. Which, in a lot of ways, that's what the AI stuff's doing today, and the AI ops that we keep hearing about. I'd say that's pretty fair. Now, JJ, you get to see AI from a couple of different scenarios because not only are you really involved in wireless, but you've probably also seen some of it in the security realm as well. And and we know how crazy AI can get. I mean, do you feel like AI does a lot for for Wi-Fi in this particular case? Uh, I'm going to disagree a little bit with Nick. I think a lot of the, a lot of the legacy stuff has really been about maybe it's making adjustments, but a lot of times those adjustments are very like specific point adjustments at that point in time, and they're lacking the context of holistically what's going on in the environment or the network or the endpoints, especially in wireless. Um, and we've kind of had the same thing in security. So now I, I kind of I think there's a lot of opportunity, but right now we're doing machine learning um, and a lot of his, it historically has been pattern based. And until we really start to feed in the rest of the stuff and, you know, you, you suck in like a CWNE's brain and you, you plug that in, I don't think we're going to be making the right decisions to automate wholly. 
I'd say that's fair. A friend of mine, Justin Warren, who's been on many podcasts, says that, that what we're doing right now is really advanced linear regression. We're not actually even doing machine learning yet. So he, he even has a more cynical take on it than, than a lot of other folks. But I would agree with you that, that we're still doing a lot of machine learning. This, this idea of AI is still very nascent. We're not actually 100% sure what, what's involved in it. Now, Jen, Jennifer Huber, you have had some experience because you've done some massive Wi-Fi deployments. You know, where do you see this going? Do you see AI becoming an integral part of Wi-Fi or is it just kind of like, okay, it's there, I don't care, I'm still gonna do my thing? Well, I think as the ability for the system to learn and build upon what it knows and do event correlation and tie things together, like JJ said, holistically, then there could be actions taken based upon um, a, a long pattern of learning and certainty being hopefully built into that. Um, because as Nick was saying, like we used to have, we had controllers, but that was like totally reactionary. It's like putting out fires. It wasn't like as we go, like looking at the baseline and making adjustments on, on the fly and trusting the AI to implement changes. I think that we're, we're entering into this, the phase where we're starting to trust AI to implement changes, maybe small changes. Um, but I still think it's going to take a while before across the board enterprise admins are going to be like, yep, okay, just do the thing. Just push the easy button and just let it do its thing. We're not I think I yet. saw... I think I saw this movie once, and this is the part where the giant metal skeleton chases me down the, the street, right? That's why AI yeah. is bad? Yeah, yeah, it, uh, yeah. it can be. Now, I'll tell you that while Wi-Fi people are pretty skeptical of letting AI just run rampant in their networks and do things, you, ha you have to come back to the, the original skeptics of the room, which is the networking people, because we don't trust anything to do anything anywhere without our approval. Drew, you and I are diehard, old-school networking guys. Do you really feel like AI is kind of ready for prime time, whether it's doing wireless or, or security or even networking? Is, is, is it really adding that much to the conversation? I would say not out of the gate. And I think the things that vendors are promising you is that you'll just sort of turn it on and let it handle things for you. That's that's not where it is right now. Like everybody else is saying, it needs more time to learn and administrators need more time to get comfortable with it. I think what I am seeing is that it's being used as sort of uh, it, it's coming to the fore as an assistance tool where it can spot an anomaly and maybe provide some essential context around what's happening in the network or the wireless environment. So instead of spending six hours trying to figure out what the problem is and mediating it, maybe I get that down to two or one or even, you know, 10 minutes. So uh, right now, as it's gathering information, as it's learning uh, all of our networks and pooling all that information and doing the machine learning and anomaly detection, it's sort of a troubleshooting aid. I don't think anybody's ready to just flip over into let it fix everything as, <laughs> as it wants. Yes, skeptics unite. Uh, we actually, we did a, an episode about AI uh, recently around security and we, and we basically decided that the only good use of AI in the enterprise is anomaly detection. You can head over to gestaltit.com and find that episode and, and leave a comment if you agree with us. But I, I think that one of the things you just touched on, Drew, is, is kind of important. It's actually important enough that it came up during the, uh, the tech keynote that, that uh, uh, Partha talked about on the second day of Aruba Atmosphere, and that's data. Um, everyone seems to believe that the algorithm is what the most important part of AI is. If we train the algorithm right, then it'll you know, tell the future and Tom Cruise will be able to stop all crime and, oh wait, it turns out that when you give bad data to the algorithm, it makes bad decisions, not because the algorithm is in 
inherently flawed, but it doesn't know what to base its, its decision-making skills on. So let's talk about that because one of the things that we see a lot in wireless and other technologies is, is this data right? How could this possibly be right? Do we trust the data sources that we feed to the system, knowing that we could possibly get some really weird you know, suggestions like move this AP 13 feet to the right, which actually means that it's 12 feet outside the window? Or do we selectively call out things that look bad, knowing that we're poisoning the algorithm on purpose? Is the data the king? Should we believe it or should we tweak it a little? I can I can jump in here and maybe I'm going to put a fine point on um, maybe something you and Drew said and then kind of this ties into the to the data question, which is um, I think it's I think it, it is more the data is very important. I think everybody agrees on that. I think the algorithms are equally important and whatever the intelligence is is important. And I think a good example of that is if we look back to I think in the mid 1600s um, the Kind of the idea of spontaneous creation of, of life forms was prevalent at that time. And the theory, one of the theories, there were many about mice and all kinds of stuff, but one of the theories was that if you left meat out, it would spontaneously generate maggots. And that was the belief until it was scientifically disproven. So when we talk about algorithms and data patterns and learning, something could learn, okay, well, when, when, when this this occurs, this other thing happens, uh, but it might be missing that intelligence of the link. And so th I think that there's the algorithm importance and then the, the data importance. And maybe this kind of goes into how do we get additional quality data? How do we teach it that, okay, if the jar is sealed or if there's a cover on it, that doesn't happen. So what, where do we start feeding this in in the infrastructure? And Aruba addressed that in some pretty meaningful ways with the ESP thing. Um, when they talked about um, NAE and the, the agents and the analytics and basically having all of the, the listeners and participants out throughout the infrastructure that have that access already by virtue of passing data um, and being able to, to, to feed that back in. So I, we're taking the right steps. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously um, optimistic, but we're, we're not there yet, but we, I think we're starting to think about the right things. Yeah, I'll echo that because I think, um, I guess I feel somewhat confident that the data going into these systems should be good. If it's telemetry coming off a device, you know, what other data source would you want besides the actual device status? The issue, as Jennifer raises, is you can have all of the right data, you can still come to the wrong conclusions. And so that's where this, you know, feedback and training needs to come into the, the algorithms. Yeah, and so that's probably, go ahead. Nick. And I'd say too, I mean, I know, Jen has said it on many occasions, and I'm a firm believer, it's garbage in, garbage out, right? We've had that saying in wireless for a very, very long time. And so as we're getting all of these new things feeding more and more data into the same system, right? We always had, you had the wireless, you had the wired, you had all the separate ones, right? Now we've got everything feeding into the same system, and we're the ones telling it what to feed into those systems for the most part, right? We're telling it look at these pieces, look at these pieces, and how do we know that we're actually selecting the right stuff for it to make those, you know, and yeah, as it learns, it should get better, but, you know, initially we're the ones telling it what to learn and, you know, are we telling it the right things, especially with the amount of data that's being fed into those now. Well, yeah, I'm hoping that the more data that we feed into it through the sensors, through the, the things that can pretend to be clients, that can pretend to send actual data, looks like a client, that, that it will increase the ability to, for us, 
to trust that the recommendations are something that we should just start trusting. So let's let's pick up on that thread just a minute because that's something that I just kind of thought about when we talk about feeding data into this algorithm. We're we're giving it as much information as we can handle, as it can handle, and it's digesting and it's pulling out patterns and it's showing us when things don't work the way they're supposed to. But when does that become, hey, something doesn't look right here versus like, I guess what would be in the next phase of AI, which is, I see that you're about to configure your transmit power to this. That's not a good idea. What you really should do is configure it this way. Or, you know, eventually we just throw our hands up and we're like, okay, configure these APs to do this for me. And it sets all the, the settings and we don't worry about it. Do you feel like AI can ever get that good? I mean, we know we can do it with controllers, today based on some very rudimentary stuff, but how long will it be before the AI can even pick up on things like I noticed in this, this diagram that you gave me that these walls are solid concrete. So that means that you really need to have your transmit power set to this, for example. Yeah, that's a long you know, ways out. That is a long why? way. <laughs> why is that a long way out? You just said like one sentence that has so many dependencies upon that. Like, oh my God, like, are we talking a CAD file? Are we talking a PDF, a JPEG? Like, what are we talking about? Is it a black line? Is it a red line? What does that mean from one engineering firm to another? Like, one sentence just has like all of these dangling like matrix like, <laughs> for that one sentence. But but I think there's stuff that can be um, in, interpreted from the data that we do have. And I think that was one of the examples that Aruba gave was that they did give some very specific power settings, right? Like I, I think their specific um, example of an AI implementation was, you know, directing um, instead of band steering, directing um, clients to, to five um, th through, through power manipulation with very specific um, power recommendations that were specific for that environment and, and where that AP was living. So um, I think, again, I think we're heading down the path, but I, I have a different question for you, Tom, which is you asked about security um, and I'm curious on, uh, on Drew and the rest of the team here. What happens when we understand enough about what a system is learning and paying attention to that we start causing it or feeding it data for malicious purposes in an effect to get it to behave a certain way, especially as we've talked about, you know, IoT and things that are that are critical on wireless now. Um, you know, life, life making and breaking device. So, so that's that's absolutely true, and that's the dark side of culling the algorithm to get the responses that we want. Not just selecting out data. What if I maliciously feed it bad data to prove a point? I want this access point to be hung out here. So I'm going to tell it that it has horrible signal to noise ratio when in fact it, it actually doesn't. And, and I'm using that to justify the purchase of bigger access points or, or something along those lines. I mean, how can we keep users from poisoning the well, basically? I think part of the issue is, um, for my understanding of machine learning and artificial intelligence, it's about data quantity. And so, if you're going to poison uh, an ML system, you would have to put a ton of data in there to have to, based on what it's already gathered, to make it have, I think, any kind of significant long-term effect. But we have DDoS attacks. I mean, I think there are scenarios where we could definitely poison um, an IoT device, for example, or a network of them, or, or something that is deployed in bulk, especially if it's the mass of, of a specific type of network, in a way to behave in a specific way that didn't necessarily impact whatever else it was doing primarily, but enough to impact what the wireless system was, was 
picking up from it and making decisions about. I, I think it may be easier to poison a security related system because of the the generalness of the data as opposed to Wi-Fi data sticks out like a sore thumb when it looks wrong. And I think a lot of that too, you know, yes, we could poison it, but honestly, you would have to do such a large number of devices, I would say, for that to happen because it is listening to all of those clients and taking all of that into consideration, right? It's not just one, it's not just one particular client that it's making those decisions off of. It's, it's, the whole system. So, you know, and I mean, back to what you were talking about too, Tom, about changing power levels and things based on wall structures and such. I mean, that is such, I mean, to some people that's still black magic, right? Because yeah, it's a concrete wall, but this concrete wall in California may be 15 dB and a concrete wall in Oklahoma is only five dB. So it's how, how, how does the system know that without us sitting there telling it, okay, you have to have a survey to show that data and import that data. You know, it's th those are things that I don't know that we would ever get there unless we had just nothing but drones running around with survey kits attached to them 24 hours a day, constantly feeding data into the system because wireless is a living, breathing thing, right? It's always changing. Are we back with the survey robots now feeding, feeding the data? <laughs> Well, you know, we've, we've got the AI, so we've got to get Skynet online and then we, you know, get the iRobot guys that are chasing us down with, you know, sidekicks on their back or something. That, that could work. I, I, I'll, I'll be down. We can hire some interns to do that in the meantime until we can get the, the technology online. So let's, let's come back to this idea that, that AI can provide value. Let's just say the premise is wrong, is that AI can provide value, which is kind of what we've, we've really talked about so far. When will it provide enough value to justify the investment in it? Because one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again as we start talking about this is the fact that in order to really take advantage of AI, you can't be running things on premises anymore. Like Aruba has mentioned it, other companies have mentioned it, if you're going to be really like hitting this thing hard, like doing a lot of decision-making capabilities, doing a lot of predictive things, you're not going to be able to do this in a single VM or even a, a two system VM in your data center anymore. You're going to have to be running some kind of a cloud uh, orchestrated system or maybe even software as a service. What is the break point for you where AI makes enough sense to justify the investment that we're going to have to make in new technology and software to make it work? I guess at this point, I'm thinking AI is sort of like the fries with that. And what the, the primary value is, in fact, that it's in the cloud. And so you get that ease of management and scalability and all that kind of thing, uh, getting it off you know, your premises. That's, that's the primary value. And then hopefully over time, AI becomes useful enough that that's the add-on. But buying for AI, I don't necessarily know that that's the, the driving value proposition. Okay. I think it could be, um, and I, I would, I would, I would tend to flip that. I mean, the conversations that we're we're having, you know, with with customers and, and people consuming and buying in the industry is, you you were just paying to have the stuff in the cloud, so you didn't have to deal with it. Um, now the manufacturers are adding value by having it in the cloud through through things like AI or machine learning. And you know, Drew, you mentioned troubleshooting. I think that's a huge, easy win if we can say, hey, you can knock down you know, tickets or, or you can redefine SLAs, again, especially in these environments where 
you know, digital transformations happening and the business re relies on these systems operating, if we can reduce, you know, that type of overhead, free up our resources to do more meaningful stuff, um, I think that's a huge ROI and that's a, that's a line item we can, we can quantify and qualify and uh, demonstrate the value. I agree. And I think it's, it's tying all of those systems together, right? Because how many times is it, oh, wireless sucks, it doesn't work when it turns out it's a DHCP problem or a DNS problem, right? So then at that point, we're tying all of those troubleshootings together into that same system and it's helping us with that. It's always DNS. We, we, we know that at this point. Uh, Jen, what's the, what's the break point for you? When does AI make sense? Well, AI is becoming part of like part of the overall package. Like it's not like an add-on with like a license or anything like that. People aren't actually like opting into just adding AI into their systems. It's becoming a natural progression of the system. So um, I think it's like you, like you said, you know, surprised with that. It's like it's coming with the package and whether or not you use it and trust it is kind of, you know, your mileage may vary. Whether you want to go for it or just watch and say, I'll trust it someday. Well, that's the problem is someday might be days away or it could be yeah. years away. And I, and I think yeah. that's one of the things we always like to do here is we like to look, take a longer term look at it. So let's say three years from now, um, do we feel like AI is going to be doing the majority of the work in the wireless network from a troubleshooting perspective, from an from a infrastructure operations perspective, and, and wireless people kind of sit back and maybe do the design work and, and let the, the software handle all the grunt work? Do we, do, what do we think about that? I'm going to say no based on, you know, what I've seen. And I'd love to hear what JJ thinks about like IDS and IPS, like how many companies have turned on blocking on IPS and how many years are we into IPS now? So three years out, letting AI run the majority of your wireless operations, heck no. As an aid for troubleshooting and so on, sure, but not running it. Yeah. I, I, sorry, I was laughing at the whole IDS IPS thing. Um, I, I can't really disagree with that. I, I, I we've, it's taken them a long time to get where we are. And I think where we are is a good start, but I think it is just a start. Well, I mean, IDS gets turned on on every single network we deploy. So we know that it all works, but no, I mean, I, 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 I kind of agree with you. Um, definitely, you know, from the troubleshooting standpoint, yes, I'm fully behind that. We'll be there at that point from, I mean, it's, it's still the, you know, everybody's favorite Reagan quote, I'm going to trust, but verify it. Right. That, you know, yeah, we're going to make these adjustments, but I mean, as, as part of a wireless system, we we're tuning it, right? We're constantly tuning it and looking at that because yeah, the network may make it, but how do I know that those changes didn't break something else where those were those survey monkeys and survey drones come in and things like that. So how that's, that's the breaking point I see of until that's fixed. I don't know that, you know, day-to-day Small stuff, yes, not the big stuff. Jennifer? Ag agreed with the small stuff, like reporting that DHCP pools are empty or that DNS queries are timing out or that something's wrong with VLANs on switches kind of things. But um, as for making suggestions about adding APs, moving APs, things like that, not so much. Telling me that I've got, you know, 100 client devices that just updated their OS and now they're working horribly, yes. But as for the actual RF and the noise floor, and so not not so much, not so much yet. Do you think there's opportunity um, 
to use some of this intelligence and learning for things like analyzing packet captures and making more specific recommendations and trouble. Yes, definitely, definitely. I'm all for the, the system monitoring and uh, packet capturing so that when we get the call, we already have all of the packet captures to give us more information about what actually happened when people were, you know, the network was slow, right? And I think maybe that's ultimately the thing is that we we were sold AI as this revolutionary magical software algorithm that's going to solve all of our problems, but it doesn't. Really, what it, it's there is it's a tool. It helps us. It helps us troubleshoot. It helps us collect data. It helps us understand things a little bit better than we did before. And once we start understanding what its limitations and capabilities are, we might trust it with a little more stuff. So maybe we go from troubleshooting to packet captures. Maybe we go from packet captures to recommendations about how to configure the network. Maybe we don't quite get to the point where we turn it loose and let it do all the things until we trust that it's not going to do something that it shouldn't. And that all comes down to data and algorithm tuning and who knows, maybe just a little bit of luck. That should just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. Thank you very much for joining us today. You can always find the latest episode of this podcast on our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also subscribe to us by searching for the On-Premise IT Roundtable in your favorite podcast application of choice. You can also subscribe on iTunes. And if you do that, please make sure you leave us a like, a rating, and possibly even a review. That helps other people enjoy the fine premises that we discuss here on a regular basis. So for myself, Tom Hollingsworth, for our fabulous guests, and for the rest of the Gestalt IT family and community, we bid you a fond adieu and stay tuned for more great episodes of the On-Premise IT Roundtable.